Why are they doing this? They said when you got here, the whole thing started. I think you're the cause of all this. I think you're evil. Ava! They're coming to get you, Barbara. Monsters, John. Monsters from the it. A the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. You don't know what that is. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. Messenger of God. You do We can stay here. God is dead! He is dead! He is dead! He's alive! He's again to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. I'm not Hello. in the state of Michigan, but this is Eric. That's right. Eric, you are in the state of New York because you're heading towards Mystic, Connecticut uh, for yes, our Dark Discussions. Eventually, via, via family reunion. Uh, yes. Where's the family reunion? Is going to be in Boston again? Worcester. Worcester. Oh, uh, what day is that? Uh, all, all this weekend. Oh, no kidding. I should come and visit. Yeah, I'm not too far from Worcester. No, it's a family yeah. reunion. Actually, you should come up north. Then. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you want to come for dinner on, on like Sunday night at the end of the, your, your reunion? Uh, Sunday night, I'm still at the hotel. What's the, what's the hookup, man? I'm still at the hotel. Oh, Sorry, oh I'm, right. on, I, I'm on my phone. I'm not usually recording set up. Gotcha. Well, we'll coordinate after the episode, just in case you wanted to come visit my home, actually where I live. So. <laughs> nice anyway, so. to you. Yes, yes, yes. I can, I can put out bear lures. That's right. I, I could cook you. I'm going to cook a, a home <laughs> meal for you, so, just, as I do every night. You, you see the pictures on Facebook. So. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll go ahead, just in case, just in case, indeed. Uh, right. And in, uh, also in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? 
I'm fine, Phil. I want to take off my clothes. I want to take off my clothes so wow. bad. Oh my God! What the fuck? I thought you. I, I thought you do this with your pants off anyway, Mike. I'm glad we don't exist in the same area while we do this. It's just <laughs> one layer. <laughs> anyway, uh, and in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you, sir? Good. I do not feel like taking my clothes off, so it's good. Indeed, indeed. Well, since, since uh, this one is uh, going to be uh, the last recording before we do our Mystic, this will be the episode I'll probably release tomorrow. And, and uh, what's so the date, Phil? That's what I'm about to say. So today is August 3rd, 2023, for some of our listeners like Pam who are always curious when we record our episodes because they don't know when they're recorded because sometimes they don't come out for weeks or even sometimes months and even sometimes a year uh, because we just throw them in the queue and release them as, as needed. However, this one will be released uh, tomorrow, uh, August 4th, 2023. Now, and now we'll does, actually Pam, see. Oh, does Pam like being blamed for this eternally? Just wondering. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever raised the topic with her. I, I mean, I do know that Phil is going to make sure that the uh, our magnum opus Barbenheimer episode comes out promptly. So just oh, keep on looking yeah. for that. Oh, jeez. Uh, anyway. It's uh, terrible to come out years after it's become an old Dell joke. Indeed. Uh, so, that, was, uh, that was like a month ago. Speaking, speaking of uh, Eric on the road heading to Mystic, uh, I will uh, be in Mystic, and Barrett will be in Mystic, and uh, Mike will be in Mystic, as well as Pam will be in Mystic, as well as Kevin Letts will be in Mystic, as well as Leo Pond will be in Mystic, and Gage oh, Fultz will be in Mystic. Lives there. Yes, and does and Gage does as well. So uh, basically, uh, the Mystic meetup is occurring uh, this August 11th. So if folks uh, want to join us uh, in Mystic, Connecticut, uh, August 11th through uh, the 13th, uh, basically what we do is we meet up for Mystic Pizza on Friday night. Then Saturday we do a uh, movie and we do a podcast. Uh, live together in person, uh, and if you join us, you can join us for the podcast as well. Uh, so uh, you can join us by uh, driving to Mystic, Connecticut, or you can fly into either Providence, Rhode Island, or Hartford, Connecticut, are the two easiest airports, as well as Worcester uh, has an airport as well, and Boston too, um, and New York City. Um, so you can join us at uh, our yearly meetup, except for the, the COVID years, um, and it's coming up uh, next week. To uh, find out, just uh, type in Mystic in Dark Discussions at AOL.com for the subject, and we'll get you all the uh, items that you would need, uh, itinerary and such. And you can also reach us on Facebook uh, where you can ask about the Mystic meetup and uh, instant message on Facebook as well. So anybody who's uh, last minute want to join us, especially if you're in the New England area, because that is pretty quick, or New York, or uh, even uh, southern Canada, uh, like Quebec and Ontario, um, we would greatly uh, be happy to uh, advise to have you join us. And Unless, unless you're going to tell me how much my opinion sucks and that Skinamarink is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we don't need any more skin or rink information. No more, no more mics around. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, all right, so that's our uh, Mystic Meetup. So uh, you have 
uh, by the time you hear this, which will be August 4th, you'll have uh, seven days to coordinate with us if you uh, would like to join us. Um, all right, so that's uh, the house cleaning. Uh, we do have the emails I mentioned. We'll, we'll coordinate about, uh, any other items if we have time left at the end of the podcast. So uh, I guess we can probably uh, get into the podcast. But before we do, uh, who are we? Uh, basically, Dark Discussions are uh, the place where uh, we discuss horror films, so fi- sci-fi, horror uh, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, art house, midnight movies, drive-ins, foreign language, uh, cult films, and the like. Basically, we try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. And we do have a website, darkdiscussions.com. And uh, Eric, what else can people find on the website? Well, Phil, they can find links to our Patreon account. Patreon is a service that allows you to contribute to your online artists like podcasters. Producing the show is not free, so if you'd like to help us offset the cost of producing the show, that's how you can do it. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash darkdiscussions or click on the Patreon badge on any page of darkdiscussions.com. Any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Indeed, indeed. And uh, you can actually uh, choose a film for us to do. Uh, so that would be awesome. Uh, any money uh, is helpful because, again, we do this all for free for your entertainment. Um, and Eric is a trooper because, uh, he, uh, as folks may notice, his sound is a little different because, like he said, he's actually doing the podcast from the road in another state from where he lives in a hotel room, and he's that dedicated to us. Very it was good. dicey. I, I almost picked off. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Anyway, um, all right, this is the first time uh, we've recorded in a couple of weeks due to uh, uh, numerous engagements uh, each of us had. Uh, Eric even lost power one night and things of that nature. Barrett was away and stuff, so uh, we're back recording uh, episodes that will come out immediately, though we do have a handful in the queue that will come out as well. Uh, next week we still will have an episode, even though we are, we're, we'll be in Mystic, Connecticut, because uh, one is all ready to go and be released either Thursday or Friday, uh, so the 10th or the 11th of August. Um, all right, so that's pretty much the house cleaning, so I guess we can get into our topic tonight. So, uh, Eric, uh, what are we going to discuss tonight? Tonight, we're going to be talking about a relatively new movie available for rental VOD called The Master Gardener. The Nandina is a species of flowering plant native to Eastern Asia. The smell at certain times of the year gives you a real buzz. Like the buzz you get just before pulling the trigger. I have a favor to ask. What is it? My grandniece. I would like you to take her on as an apprentice. She dropped out of school and then she ended up in a bad crowd. You'll learn how to garden. Are you satisfied with the life that you have? How would you ask that? You know, you talk a lot of shit, but there's one thing you don't talk about. What's that? Yourself. There's not much to know. You put the deep six on nine bad guys. Oh, that was a long time ago. Even if they're dead, you're not forgotten. Have you ever killed anyone? Why would you say that? Take off your shirt. 
You are impertinent. Maya's just finding her own way. And I'm the Queen of Scotland. Gardening is a belief in the future. A belief that things will happen according to plan. Who did this to you? What are you going to do? Time to start a new life. I have created this life. Build it with rules. Now seems the time to break one. Uh, that's right. Uh, the Master Gardener is a brand new film. As Eric mentioned, uh, it did do uh, festivals and things of that nature prior uh, in 2022, but it was released everywhere in the United States uh, on May 19th, 2023. Um, the film uh, is directed and written by Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader is probably best known for the screenwriter of such films as uh, Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. Uh, he uh, also has directed numerous films uh, as well, uh, has been nominated for a number of Academy Awards, and is one of the uh, great uh, that have never won. Uh, the film stars Joel Edgerton, uh, probably uh, well known for a number of films that we've done, including The Thing prequel, uh, The Gift, uh, Acolyte, uh, he's done a lot of films. Uh, he's from Australia, uh, though he uh, can what take a good... What was the name of that film that he did with the... Well, it wasn't like a truth or dare. I'm trying to remember what it was. Like, wasn't gift. that him? Wasn't it a gift? Gift? I don't think that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, okay. Um, like they really, where they go to rob the house and they get caught. And they're kind of put in the, the, the series of challenges. Oh, was he in that one? Wasn't that him? Or am I misremembering? I don't know. Uh, and he was eating, what was he eating? Well, they had to eat a dog at one point. They oh. accidentally killed the neighbor's dog. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no. He, yeah, yeah, that, that wasn't him. That wasn't him, no. No? Okay, I thought it was him. Okay. Yeah, no, no. He also was uh, in Black Mass. He played... Uh, the, the the FBI agent in that uh, against uh, Whitey Bulger played by uh, Johnny Depp. Um, oh, he, he also was the lead in my one of my favorite horror films of the past uh, ten years. It comes at night. Yep. Yep. So uh, he, he's pretty awesome, uh, and he and he does a great American accent. Uh, also starring in the film is uh, Sigani Weaver and Quintessa Swindell, among others. Um, but those are the three main leads of the film. Uh, the film is uh, receiving generally uh, positive reviews. Uh, out of 161 critics, uh, 70% uh, uh, say it's good. Uh, and uh, one of the most interesting uh, reviews I read, because I read the reviews after I watched the film, uh, was RogerEbert.com, where they said the film was uh, generally... Uh, a good drama, and then out of the blue, 30 minutes in, uh, something happens that is like, oh, what the heck? Um, it was, uh, and we'll, we'll discuss all that. Uh, so I guess we can get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. So uh, I guess I'll start because that was when I brought it up. Uh, Paul Schrader is probably my most favorite uh, living uh, filmmaker. Um, he is one of the great screenwriters of all time, so I follow him 
uh, anytime he comes out with a new film. Um, and this film uh, popped up, and it seemed uh, like it was getting good reviews. Um, I went in completely blind, so I didn't know anything about the film, except I knew uh, that both Sigourney Weaver and Joel Edgerton uh, star in it. Um, so I uh, watched it. I don't know, about two weeks ago when we were originally supposed to do the film and then um, Barrett was away and then um, I think it was me. That, and was, not, that was Night of the Lost Power. Yeah, like yeah, Eric Lost Power. And Mike couldn't make it that week either. So it was going to just be me and Eric. And I said, ah, you know, let's just postpone it and then we can get both Mike and uh, Barrett to do it with us uh, in a few weeks. And so we took well, – I, I, I was available. Scott tried to save me and Phil wouldn't let it happen. Oh, that's right, Mike. Yeah, it was me and you that were going to just go alone. And Eric lost power. Right. Barrett but, wasn't able to make it. Yeah. And then, yeah, Eric, so said, and then somehow Eric either got power back or he left the state and went to someplace that did have power. And that <laughs> yeah. was doing the episode. All right, around 9.15 or so. It was what I remember, and uh, but by then we, we had just pushed back. Um, so uh, I watched it uh, the night before that, so that was like two weeks ago. And um, for my opinion of the film, um, I thought it was a masterpiece. I think this was the best film I've seen this year, uh, possibly one of the, my favorite films of the past ten years. Um, I also liked how it has the Paul Schrader touch because, again, it is a Paul Schrader film, though the ending is curiously um, different than his nihilistic endings of of most of his films. And I thought that was a a brilliant touch to uh, a filmmaker that is known for his nihilistic uh, endings. Um, This film, um, I think, uh, I don't know if it will because of its low profile, but um, I think it's as good as <coughs> excuse me the, the film that he was nominated for Best Director uh, just a couple of years ago. Actually, now it's six years ago. Jesus, time flies. Uh, first Reformed, where he was actually I'm sorry he he was he directed the film, but but he he got nominated for Best Original Screenplay. And I know Eric saw that film, uh, First Reform, which uh, I believe you thought it was a pretty solid film as well. Um, so this one here, um, yeah, I think it's a fantastic film, and it will probably top my film, Best Film of the Year, and will most certainly be my best uh, speculative fiction or other genre uh, list at the end of our uh, year of podcasting when we do our finals. Uh, so, yeah, big thumbs up for me. And I, I think... It's one of those films that could be liked by a lot of people, so it's not like, oh, just for a specific audience. I think this, I could have showed this film to my mother all the way to um, my next door neighbor, and, and they all would, have, would, would, would at least uh, not be bored. The question is, will they enjoy it? And I think most people would think it's a pretty solid film. Uh, let's go with you, uh, Barrett. Yeah, I really liked this film. Um, I thought it was really good. I went in blind. Um, I hadn't heard of it until you brought it up. Um, and I was very surprised, and the way it ended was a really good surprise as well. Um, the film is very beautifully shot, well acted, um, and I really like the themes that it talks about. It talks a lot about beauty and ugliness, and uh, I just think it it really hit me in the right spot. So, um, and I agree with you. I think anybody could enjoy this movie. 
All right, sounds good. And yeah, yeah, if we weren't recording this film as a Dark Discussions podcast, I would most certainly have uh, uh, chosen this film as a cinema a la carte or a Halloween boutique, psychotronic reviews for sure. Um, all right, let's go with you, Mike. Yeah, I watched it. I knew about it. I don't remember why. Uh, certainly, whenever I see Paul Schrader's name, uh, I take note of it because I know Phil's going to get an erection. And I'm going to try to make a see it. Phil's erections. Uh, yeah, it's, by the way, Phil, they're down a little bit. You might want to work on that. Um, but it's uh, – so I, I kind of knew that this was coming uh, because, you know, Phil. Um, eh. uh, you know what? I thought I, there's a lot I like about the film, but this is one of those films that I, I, uh, I respect more that I enjoyed. Um, it, it's beautifully shot, but it's a little bit slow-paced. Um, it doesn't really have that dark ending that you talk about. Um, there were times I felt some of the dialogue was a little stilted. Um, you know, it, it, is, it is a nice story, uh, but it's not a film that I would necessarily want to be, uh, I'll be itching to watch again. All right, sounds good. Uh, let's go with you, Eric. Uh, I think I'm kind of there with Mike. Uh, the movie was well made. I thought the acting was good, but I'm I'm, I'm not the target audience for this film. Um, at one point, there's a bunch of people sitting around sniffing dirt, and I'm like, "Fucking kill me!" Um, <laughs> so uh, I I thought it was okay, um, but I, I I will probably not be revisiting it either. All right, sounds good. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, Eric, do we have a wiki? Uh, no, sorry. That's <laughs> right. Go somebody else tonight. That's right, because you you get the you're, you're doing it on a cell phone or something. So, uh, uh, let's see, Barrett, do, do you want to uh, look up the wiki? Well, you're looking up the wiki. Yeah, uh, I'm pulling it up. All right, I, I want to just say that uh, this is one of those films that is cu- quite curious because uh, I remember when this another film that came out, a possible uh, cinema a la carte, maybe in, in sometime in the not so. Or distant, close future, but uh, Uli's Gold, which was uh, starring uh, Peter Fonder about beekeepers, and then it had a story uh, similar to this, where it was more than beekeeping, but um, it actually is an interesting film just for the beekeeping, because it t- talks about beekeeping a lot, just as this film here talks about gardening, and like not just gardening in your backyard, but professional gardeners that do, you know, those fancy gardens like uh, like the one in, I was just in Hershey, Pennsylvania, there's the Hershey Gardens, which is... Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They have the and butterflies there, too. Yes, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so so it's one of those kind of interesting films that it has a, another layer to it than just the the main story, uh, and, and we'll talk about all that. But uh, do you have the, I am, I mean, the wiki, uh, or, you. Uh, which is really IMDb. Yep. Uh, Eric Eric has to do it. Thank you. A meticulous horticulturist who is devoted to tending the grounds of a beautiful estate and pandering to his employer, the wealthy dowager. All right. That doesn't tell you anything, which is good (laughs) because the film, if you go in blind, there's some big surprises, and that's what the RogerEbert.com review even said. Um, But I like it. It, it, uh, yeah, it's pretty much what it is. So, uh, it's, it's not even a real sentence. I mean, it doesn't finish. 
Yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah. of a weird one. Yeah, yeah. You would think someone that would read that would say, well, I don't really think I'm interested in this film because it's like, don't say it anything. It sounds like it's going to say what he does, you know, something besides him being a horticulturist, but it yeah. ends with the, the wealthy dowager part. It's weird. It's a little weird. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I, I do know when we were talking about uh, what films to do, and we, this one was brought up, uh, we were talking about that. Maybe it, it seems, maybe there's going to be some buddy dies, and, and then they're just going to do an investigation or something. Who knows what the film's going to be about. But that was way yeah. off, too. Um, so uh, what we do here on Dark Discussion Podcast, basically what we do is we talk about uh, everything and anything related to the film. So uh, what we do is we give our review, but we also do critiques and dissect of the film. And uh, so at one point, as we uh, record, we'll eventually throw up a spoiler alert, and then we'll, we'll talk about anything and everything related to the film, including twists, um, things that are hidden from you uh, if you haven't seen the trailer or the, the wiki. IMDb says nothing. And uh, then we uh, will even talk about the ending. Uh, because, again, that's what we do here. We critique and dissect. Uh, but we do throw up the spoiler, so uh, folks who do want to see the film, uh, you can do so before hearing the spoiler part. Uh, the film is readily available on VOD, wherever you can rent or purchase VOD. Um, it is there. I'm um, not sure about disc yet, but uh, most certainly VOD. Um, all right, so uh, we can talk about the general stuff. First, so that means we'll talk about, you know, maybe Paul Schrader's career. Uh, this film, I've already brought up Yuli's Gold. is another interesting film that is a little bit of a thriller similar to this, but the, the lead character is uh, a beekeeper uh, and for honey and things of that nature. And this one here is a, a gardener of a uh, fancy touring-type estate where people can come and, and view the flowers and, and whatnot. Um but uh, we can talk about general stuff. So uh, before we do, I'll just give up a little more of a synopsis. Uh, so Narvel Roth, uh, he's this uh, uh, middle-aged guy, so similar to all of us, uh, who is the head gardener of this estate. So um, he, he must, you know, do pretty good. Uh, he's very knowledgeable, like really knowledgeable. He's, he's like an expert Um and throughout the new movie, he writes what I believe is a journal, but it also could most certainly be a uh, textbook um, on how to garden and, and whatnot and the history of gardening and, and whatnot. So uh, he's a pretty smart guy. Um, the state is owned by a character named Norma Haverhill. Uh, or Haver Hill is how they pronounce it, uh, and that's played by Sigourney Weaver. She is a most privileged woman, uh, widow, uh, who seems to be um, quite annoying um, and most certainly uh, uses her power to her advantage um, in her standing, To and, and it's always there threatening everybody that works for her, including uh, Narvel. And then she has a niece, uh, Maya Cor, played by Quintessa Swindell, um, who is um, uh, biracial. Um, so this is a, a very prominent, um, I guess, uh, Brahim or, or, or Southern white family. And, and so this uh, uh, great niece uh, is... Of biracial and and so 
um, that is uh, new to this family. Uh, and her mother and grandmother were both, um, at least in Sigourney Weaver's character's opinion, uh, black sheep uh, in the family. Um, and so that's pretty much the, the setup. So uh, where do we want to go, uh, the general stuff without spoilers? Uh, what do we want to talk about? Um, well, I think this is a movie that you're watching something and it feels like it's an like the an American episode of Masterpiece Theater for the first 20 or 30 minutes. Um, yeah. it's not, okay. and it's not until a character takes their clothes off that you get the wrinkle. Um, yeah. uh, and so it is like, like watching it. And I think this is when the dirt sniffing scene comes in, if I remember correctly, it's kind of early in the film and you're just yeah. watching a movie that feels like, oh, we're going to be watching, actually watching a movie about fucking gardening for our discussions podcast. Um, but no, there, it is a, uh, a beautifully shot film. There's a, which, you know, you're filming in gardens. So that, that, that's, uh, that's helping, um, uh, quite a bit, obviously. Right. Um, sure. to, to make a beautiful film. Um, I, I did appreciate that he, he talks a little bit about Corollis Linnaeus or Carl von Linn. It comes with the binomial nomenclature because I taught that for so many years. But there, the film does make an, a, a big deal out of names. Um, and so, like, you can start dissecting uh, some of the names, I guess, in the film. But, like, well, Quintessa, um, so when we say something is quintessential, we're referring to, like, the ideal or the perfect. Um, and what was her last name? Quintessa? Uh, the actress is Quintessa Swindell. Uh, oh, that's the actress. As, What's the character's name? Uh, Ma- Maya Kaur. Okay. Which is interesting. Right. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a normal name, especially the last name. Well, none of them. Do. I mean, you had Norma and Norval. Yeah, Narval, Narval, Narval Ron, yeah. And, and Norma <laughs> Haverhill or Haverhill. Yeah. So I'm sure if I had taken the time in the last two weeks to really roll up my sleeves and dice back, we could have come up with some interesting things to talk about with the names, but I didn't, as I saw. Yeah. Yeah, well, well it's, it's a curious thing, too. I mean, uh, Norma Haverhill, you know, she's as waspy as you can get. Yeah. Uh, then you have Narvel Roth. You know, Roth is a very Jewish name, and Narvel, I have no idea what that is. Um, and... Uh, that's ironic too. That his character is has a, a Jewish last name uh, as, as well. Well, we don't even it. know is, is, if that's his real name. Well, right. we right, well we do know his real do name know later. Not his real name. Yeah, yeah. We eventually find yeah. out that Norval Roth is not his real name, but it is interesting that he, he cho- whoever chose the name for him. Um, gave him a, a, a Jewish last name and a very weird first name. And then Maya Kaur, um, obviously Kaur is maybe her father, but her father was like one of those guys that, um, you know, banged a, a, a woman and then left. So I don't know if that's her her dad's last name or her mother's last name because her mother um, – Obviously, uh, married someone, and and at one time, uh, yeah. So her grand, her the grandmother was a Haverhill who married somebody, and then the mother married somebody, and so yeah. So we we don't know how she got the name Core, but that's that's the name that she has. Obviously, it's C O R E. So I'm sure, like you said, Mike, 
there's got to be some meaning there, and this is Paul Schrader. Well, Nor- Norville, I was looking at, I just looked up, uh, Norville was referring to um, northern, uh, it's, meaning of Norville is northern, uh, northern town, just from French okay. origin, um, but it comes from, uh, lost it, from the Normans. So I, I think that you, right. you're taking northern and the Jews, and you're putting sort of the two histories there of the, the character kind of together. Um, oh, and, but it is interesting, too, that both Roth and Narvel are are uh, Jewish. Oh, yeah, right. Never mind. No, I was thinking Roth was French-Jewish, but that's not right. I was thinking uh, Dreyfus. Dreyfus is French-Jewish. So, so I was going to say that maybe they were both French names, too, because uh, this may be taking place in, in Louisiana. But you're right. This this has an interesting aspect of the two names, where the waspy meaning of the first name and then the the last name meaning Jewish, and, and again that that plays something later in the film. Uh, so continue, Mike. I'm sorry for uh, interjecting there. Um, I was looking at Maya because I know that has a meaning. Right. But anyway, so the 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 point is, he makes a uh, in a teaching Maya about the garden. He talks about you know, the scientific name, so everything has a two-part name, and um, it tells you something about it, and so you yeah, have to know the first name and the last name of uh, of each character. Um, but... Yeah, it, it, that, that was a good point, Mike, because yeah, basically what happens is Norma Haverhill has no um, I guess uh, folks to give her property to and as she's getting older in the years she's beginning to worry that it would be stuck in some sort of estate and so she wants to give it to someone that's in the family and okay, Maya, Maya means illusion or dream so okay interesting yeah, illusion or dream alright so Maya uh, she brings into the property and even though she's the great niece of Norma Haverhill, uh, she still has to live in, you know, one of the little teeny buildings uh, outside the the, um, the main house, and she wants her... Actually, she the, lives off the property. She has an apartment. Yeah, that's right, before they do bring her into the property. They bring right? her in because of the, the one reason later on. Yeah, which we'll get into. So Maya, um, she wants to eventually inherit the property and the garden and everything and keep the, the whole Haverhill... Uh, house in the in the family, and Meyer is is the person. So, Novel is to take her on as his assistant, and he is supposed to, tr- 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 I guess, teach her the the techniques uh, and whatnot and so forth. And that's why we have, like you said, the the sniffing scene of dirt, Mike, uh, because he talks about the acidity of dirt and, and various other things and what type of plants use what type of dirt and things of that nature um, and whatnot. So uh, it is interesting, but it's like you said, Mike, it's a, it's more of a, a film about gardening and then a couple of uh, drama elements of a wayward great niece coming back and the old wealthy uh, Rahim, owner of the home, wanting to, uh, I guess, give the, the property to her before she, you know, passes away and whatnot. Uh, what else do we want to talk about, Barrett? What, you were gonna, you were saying some stuff. 
Uh, I just really like the theme of, um, you know, he's he's gotten to this this beauty from ugliness, and I just thought that was pretty interesting how they showing that in this film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that was pretty interesting. I also um, thought one of the main uh, one of the main themes of the movie was the the fact that people can change. Yes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. They can the grow, person, right? They can grow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it'll be curious to what, what we think of Norma's character if if she actually does grow or not too. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll get into that. Um, now, Eric, you saw uh, First Reform as well. Um, how, how do you, how do you uh, compare that film to this film and, and Paul Schrader's writing directing? Uh, do you see any similarities between the two films? I mean, that was a long time ago, but my yeah. remembrance is that I liked it better than this a lot. I didn't sure. really care for this movie, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It just wasn't for me. Sure, sure. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. same here. I, I haven't seen First Reform for, for a number of years, too, so uh, I, I, I uh, really can't compare it uh, all that much. Um, let's see. Any, any other uh, general items that we want to talk about that are non-spoilerly? Um, well, just the it, the beautifully shot part. I mean, all of the shots they do of plants and especially a later night scene is just really cool. Um, I, I think it's really well filmed, and it pulled me in because of that. Yeah, I, I also like the soundtrack too. Uh, during the suspense scenes, the soundtrack mm. was, was 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 pretty intense. Um, in a good way, you know, it, it, it was it was good. Um, now, Mike, you've seen a lot of Paul Schrader films, as I have. Um, where, where, how, how would you stack this up compared to his, his other films, some of his earlier films? Okay, I'd have to actually go through his filmography. Um, like I said, this, this, I'm with, with Eric. It's not that this was a bad film. This was just not a up-my-alley kind of film. Um, so I would say I probably preferred his earlier filmography, which and click with me a little more. I didn't see the um, uh, the one you just said, the uh, yeah, the first, first reformer, yeah, first reform I haven't seen yet. Um, and for me, it's just a lot of it. A lot of it with this film is just the pacing, which just uh, kept it from really grabbing me. The images were great, but I, I was often found it hard just to, to, to really appreciate it. I'm curious if it would have worked better for me in theater, where I don't have any distractions around me normally. Uh, but, like I said, this is just, it's just not a me movie. Sure, sure. Yeah, th this is an interesting film for me, because a lot of times, yeah, when I have distractions, I, I will kind of stop paying attention at points here and there, but but this is a, a, what we would call a quote-unquote fill film, so I was like engrossed the moment it started. It was just uh, my type of film, uh, but yeah, again, it, it depends on um, what, what folks like, um, and, and this is uh, a different type of film, at least the first 30 minutes than, than you would think a postrator film would be. Um, and even the ending is, is like we, we discussed, Mike. Uh, it's not nihilistic like most of his films, which is kind of interesting. Um, all right, so uh, let's see. Um, let me ask you, Barrett. Uh, are you familiar with Paul Schrader's uh, work 
uh, obviously taxi driver, I'm sure raging bull, whatever. But but do you do you follow his career? By any I do not. I do not. Um, not you know I've heard of him. You talk about him all the time. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't really know of him that well. Like I mean, I know the movies like you just stated, but as far as like. Do I follow him? No, I wouldn't pick out a Paul Schrader film to watch or whatever. Well, it's also tough when you're trying to compare the film he films he wrote and somebody like Scorsese directed versus the films that he both wrote and directed. Sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I, I haven't seen um, uh, Blue Collar yet, but that's supposed to be one of his better ones, and uh, I have it on disc. And um, but I, I have seen like Autofocus, uh, which which is really good. And I just recently uh, watched uh, Affliction, um, and that that was that was really good. Um, and um, I've seen other things too. I've seen like um, The Comfort of Strangers, Last Station of Christ. Um, I have Patty Hearst on on disc, but I haven't watched it yet. You should um, let her go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have seen City Hall uh, with uh, uh, Cusack and Pacino and Bridget. Fonda. Oh yeah, you did that one. Okay. Yeah, he well he wrote that one, um, but he didn't direct it. Yeah, that, that was out of all the others I mentioned. He 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 also uh, directed. Uh, though Autofocus, believe it or not, he he uh, did not direct. He I mean he did direct. He did not uh, write. Um, so anyway. Um, all right, so do you guys want to throw out the spoiler alert now? Uh, get into some stuff, or what do you think? Yeah. All right. All right, let's do it. So uh, we'll uh, throw up the spoiler alert. Uh, so at this point, we'll talk about everything and anything uh, related to the film, uh, including uh, uh, things that may spoil the film for you folks. If you uh, don't want to uh, listen, you can stop now, and we can come back after you watch the film. Uh, let me do ask ask you one thing, though, Eric. Uh, um, I was pretty impressed when when you told me that you had seen First Reform because uh, um, it is a different film as well. But uh, did you see that film because of Paul Schrader, or were you just watching it because you you know popped up? Oh, it seemed interesting, Ethan Hawke and whatnot. Man, um, I believe I watched that because I heard the the Slash Filmcast review it and rave about uh, the lead performance in that movie. Gotcha, yeah, and that was uh, Ethan Hawke. Um, and and you uh, follow uh, Paul Schrader's career? No. I, I know you. Yeah, you usually you usually don't. You you. I'm not. I'm not a writer guy. It's yeah. Although I, I it's funny because usually if if a screenplay is bad, I'll tear who to shreds over it. So I think I would be a writer guy, but I, I generally don't follow writers. Yep, fair enough. Um, all right, so. Uh, Let's let's talk about uh, anything and everything related to film. Um, so, at a certain point in the film, as the RogerEbert.com film uh, com uh, review, I should say, uh, mentioned, suddenly the film was like, "Hold on, am I watching the same film? What the heck happened here?" And Mike, you already mentioned it. Um, there's a there's a scene where. Uh, uh, the lead character, played by Joel Edgerton, a uh, novel Roth, uh, takes off his shirt as he's uh, alone at home uh, on the property, uh, the, the the house that the, that is on the property that that is given to him as the head gardener, um, and we see that uh, 
he has a number of tattoos all over his body. Um, and uh, it, it isn't uh, uh, tattoos that, that I guess, are appropriate. Uh, am I right to say that? Uh, I think I am right to they're, say that. They're tattoos that indicate that he either is or was a neo-Nazi. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so he has the the shoulder. Yeah, they're, in, they're instantly recognizable. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a big deal. Yeah, so he has the double SS, you know, for Schultz staff, or the, uh, then he has the, the Nazis watch sticker, and he has all this other, the, you know, the Eagle, uh, the German Eagle from Imperial Germany and all this other stuff. So so it appears that at one point in his life, uh, he was what we would call a neo-Nazi um, and whatnot. Uh, so we quickly learned that um, his character – um, is obviously a changed man in some sense. We do get a couple of dream or flashback sequences that are quick, um, but we don't know if he's uh, why he's not, a, I guess, a neo-Nazi anymore uh, until a little bit later in the film and uh, what made him decide and change. Um and do other people know that he is a? It was at one time uh, a bad guy, a very bad guy. Um, now this reveal comes about thirty minutes into the movie, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, we 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 don't know anything other than he's a gardener who's having sex with his boss. Um, yep. Yeah, <laughs> and that was a weird uh, reveal. So, so she has to know because she's seen him naked. Yeah, right. And this is a thing. So once. Things start about her start to click into place for me, I think. So, for instance, she does not, while she's bringing her niece into the fold, um, she doesn't want to meet her or seems to not want to meet her. Um, and so I'm getting the sense that she wasn't won't, doesn't have as much of a problem with him being a neo-Nazi as, uh, as one well, might expect. And it's funny because uh, Maya's mixed, right? Uh, and and uh, she goes out of her way to talk about how she doesn't have a problem with that. Uh, and then uh, throughout the movie makes other comments that uh, make it very, very clear that she does indeed have a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I know nowadays everything is black and white. Um, but, you know, like 15, 20, 30 years ago, when people were similar to uh, Norma Haverhill, they would just say that she's an old woman who um, lived in different times. And unlike some people who are older women who lived in different times, uh, she still, uh, I guess, respects the fact that Maya Kaur, um, even if she is biracial, um, is blood. And, and what she seems she's more upset. happy about it. Well, I think she's more upset with her sister and her niece because they appear to be, even if they weren't, they didn't have the same problems that Norma may have, which is elitism, bigotry, and, and whatnot. Uh, it still appears that her sister and niece were fuck-ups too, um, were, were actual fuck-ups. So she has a problem with her niece and her aunt, who both appear to have passed away, Um from from 
one probably from old age, the other one from cancer, I think. And yeah, cancer. Um, and so she's just angry at them for being fuck-ups. And the niece, even if she is biracial, and Norma may be old-school, old-fashioned, old woman living from a different era, quote-unquote bigot, um, I think it's more the fact that her niece is related to her her great niece is related to her sister and her niece pisses her off even more than the biracial thing. Am I right to say that? Did you guys get that? Because I felt that's what it was. She just hated her sister and her sister's daughter. Well, and her great niece is, great niece is kind of a fuck up too, right? I mean, yeah, that's true. That's too. why, that's why yeah. she's there. Yeah. And I think you're right too, Eric, that it's probably all of the above. Yeah. That, that's, that's yeah, a fair yeah. point. Yeah. Oh, and I want to kind of point out, doesn't she have a family heirloom, which is a gun, which is yes. a Luger? Mm-hmm. Yes. Which, which might tell you something about some of the people in her family. <laughs> oh, yeah. you, you, oh, I didn't think of that. Um, I, I thought that was probably just like a Luger that they that was, you know, the World War One or World War Two, uh, her grandfather or great-grandfather killed some German soldier and, and took the gun. That's what I got. If it wasn't for all the other little bits that we were getting in the film, I, I might have agreed with you. Um, yeah. You know, this isn't real world. You know, it is a movie. Uh, and certainly a lot of uh, filmmakers are, uh, are can be preoccupied with race, especially if they're making a movie that's clearly about race. And so everything tends to just come right back to that. And so I don't think that that's a subtle. Now maybe it's it was there just so that uh, Norval would get the Luger in his hands because that's uh, recalling his own past um, as a neo-Nazi. Um, but it just I think it just I think they could have found a different way if they were just wanting to make a comment about him particularly. Um, I think they they want to allude to the fact that that she's. You know, she's having sex with a guy who's, who may be a reformed neo-Nazi, but he's—you gotta gotta take something special to look at a guy who's got a swastika uh, uh, on his on his was on his chest or his back. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of, I'm kind of, I understand that viewpoint, but I also think he's just a servant to her. She doesn't give a crap what's tattooed on him. She's just going to use them however she wants to. Uh, maybe. Well, and I think it's more of a power play because yeah. he he's 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 part of the witness relocation program, as we found out later. Uh, that's how he got out is he gave names, um, and and she was contacted and asked to let him be there uh, as part of the, the witness relocation program. So I, I I feel that her viewpoint is that he owes her. And therefore, he will service her. Yep. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And, and Mike, you know, you may have a point too. Um, and and we, we everybody can be a wayward son and come back to quote unquote God or, or good if you prefer. Um, and yeah, he still has all the tattoos. Um, so she knows he was a neo-Nazi. She likes – she doesn't care about the tattoos, and she's getting serviced by a guy that's 
30 years junior to her, and he's good looking. And so, yeah, I, I think you're you're right as well, Eric. Um, he owes her, and this is her way to to uh, yeah get get a, a bonus. Um, <laughs> or at least a bone. A, a bonus. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that, so, that whole scene seems so perfunctory, too. It's just like <laughs> wander upstairs and take your clothes take off. off. Yeah, exactly. It was so weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of felt unclean. I felt it was dirty because... You know, it's it's like like you said, Eric. She, he, I mean, he's stuck, and so he has. You know, if if he doesn't do it, he's gone. And in a witness protection program, what's he going to do? You know, and so and she's just a dirty old woman, right? So it's it's kind of gross, but it is what it is. Uh, she plays it really well. So going to phone just, in. Yeah, yeah, and the way way she her eyes go up and down his body, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, she she does a really good job. It's to, like Phil at a Taylor Swift concert. Very very funny, very funny, um, and accurate. Speaking of Taylor Swift, she just announced uh, fifteen nobody more. Cares. Nobody cares. Nobody well, cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. So nobody back, cares. Back to the film. Um, yeah, so so it is a uh, some interesting things that we discover at around the thirty minute mark and and whatnot and and at that point uh, we now know that okay that that's bad and and we're still not quite sure whether or not he's still a neo Nazi and that's where they're going to go or if the film is uh, he's reformed and he's just hiding the fact. Um, I yeah, was fairly certain from the beginning that he was reformed. Yeah, yeah, me too. Because his love for the plants seemed very genuine. Yeah, yeah, and and he was paying attention to that rather than the um, the. Uh, or be it for me to defend a Nazi, but I think Nazis are allowed to like plants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they didn't have like concentration camps for plants. Well, that you know of. It seemed to take all of his uh, his interests. Let's put it that way. Uh, now, so the the fact that Sigourney Weaver's character Norma uh, takes him on um, and so is able, to speak. To, yeah, yeah, right. Just kidding. Um, and is willing to. Hide the fact that he is a uh, what is that program called again? Witness protection, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and with his history, um, and she probably knows what his history is, and, and we do learn uh, sooner than later that uh, he is a murderer. Uh, he has murdered uh, individuals in the past, at least one, um, and and rather than go to jail. Um, and, and kill other people because he was supposed to kill two other people, a woman and uh, a daughter of the man that he killed. And he refuses. Uh, he begins to have a, a target on his head, in a sense, by the neo-Nazis because uh, he's supposed to follow orders, which is to kill the whole family. 
Um, and so he goes witness protection, and, and they all get arrested, and the whole thing's broken up um, and whatnot. So what, what, what are our feelings? Uh, I know, Mike, you kind of alluded to it that Norma obviously doesn't have problems with it, but do you – you you kind of alluded to the fact that you believe that maybe she herself has feelings of uh, bigotry that's more than just the typical bigotry of our forefathers who who you know came over from Europe and lived in Irish neighborhoods or Italian neighborhoods or whatever. You're saying that she's like the typical stereotypical racist. Is, is that what you're implying, Mike? I think, think she's she is. Um, I, I think she's probably racist on some level. I, you know, I, I, racism can be complicated. I know people like to simplify things as being black and white, uh, literally, in this case. Um, I'll often tell the story um, to my students because uh, at some point they ask, they, students always ask certain questions and um, at some point they'll see my, on my name badge and my middle initial is T and they'll try to guess what my middle name is, and then finally somebody will, will guess that it's Thomas, and I'll tell them, yes, I'm named after my racist Uncle Tommy, uh, which my mother has since corrected me on that I'm actually named after my racist grandfather. But, um, and the kids will, like, like, like laugh when I say that, and I'll say, well, you understand, when I was, like, 12 or 13, I went over to their house. They lived in New Jersey, and we'd go over there uh, almost every year, and the last time I'd gone to their house... Um, was in the mid-80s or early 80s. And, um, like, the minute I got there, um, it, like, rap had just become big, and I was asked if I liked that black people music. But it was not black people music. It was not the first phrase that they used. Um, and I heard that phrase about black people again and again and again in the couple of hours that we were there visiting uh then it was very uncomfortable, and I was very glad to not go back again. Um, and I saw them that, occasionally. That lousy Irish bastards. Oh yeah. yeah, no, they were no, they were they were definitely lousy Irish bastards. Um, you know that uh, we had to make sure uh, at our wedding because, of course, they were invited to our wedding because my parents had to go to all their kids' weddings, and they had like four hundred children. They had a litter, um, so they were going to come to their child's wedding. But we had to make sure they couldn't play uh, any music because they were going to like pick some Irish fight song that cursed the fucking English and uh, that's how oh, it as if you need that crap oh. yeah so exactly so um, anyway when my uncle Tommy finally passed away about 10 years ago I, you know it's um, I go to the funeral and then you know we watch the pallbearers pick up the coffin and leave now the pallbearers must you know is a position of honor um, and there's a black guy carrying the coffin I look over at my mom I was like who's the black guy and she said, oh, that's his best friend. So, How about that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know you can make all the jokes you want. Yeah, but I got friends who's black. It's, yeah, it's complicated. It really, it really, human right. beings can be complicated. They can have complex feelings, complex emotions. I'm not saying that. that right, a friend versus a best friend, that's a big difference too, right? I mean, this is his best friend, right? So anyway, right. continue. Yeah. Right, but my point simply being that in, in his particular, in, in her particular case, rather, um, I don't think that she's as bothered by uh, being racist uh, as uh, maybe some of the rest of us are sleeping with a racist because she, I think she has some racism in her. I'm sure she does not like the fact that her sister uh, had, a, had a child with a black man. 
You mean her, um, her, niece, her niece, because it was her sister's daughter that, that had a child. Her sister's daughter, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I think that's – because she talked about her poor judgment, and I have a feeling if, uh, the, if her, the little uh, bastard child was a little white bastard child, she might have had less problem with it. Now, that could be me reading into it, um, but I don't – I personally uh, – I, I think you're that. getting the right feel from what I felt from the movie. Right. I mean, I, mean, I do agree with Norma that – her sister and her niece and her niece's husband were appear to be all fuck ups. But I also believe, as Eric, as Eric quite well said, it's all of the above. She also is a bigot too. Yep, um, like you said, people are complicated, so they can be all of those things and right. more. Because my Maya's dad was a dink because he he was a a druggie and he, and he left the family and, and abandoned them. So he he was no good anyway. And and then you could argue that the, the niece had bad judgment because she married a, a loser, but she could have been a loser herself. And then the sister was the black sheep of the family, supposedly. So I think it was all of above. Everything is, is well, and is, she's taking Maya in, right? I mean, she's she's taking her in, which. Yeah, at least true. there's that, you know. She's right, not, exactly. Yeah. And she's and she's yeah. looking to maybe leave the estate to her, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, right, um, exactly. Yeah, there's all sorts of things that because it, there was that family obligation, just not going to like it. Damn it! <laughs> Wishes she had a, a a white little white niece or nephew that she could give it to. Um, you know, people are flawed, complex beings. Oh, oh and, and from a different sister too, because she hates, <laughs> right? Okay. So, but yeah, right, right. Because I, I can't stop saying, "Oh my God, did she hate her sister and her sister's entire family?" It's kind of funny. Um, so you're right, though. I, I see your point, Mike, and that, that that's probably true. And, and and she she does finally meet the niece, uh, and there are, um, you know, she's a pompous ass. Big time, <laughs> and 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 the niece um, was as polite as she could be to a point. I mean, some people have thicker skin, and and probably could have sucked it up and, and just let it go, and and whatnot. But um, you know, she didn't have that ability. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and she got her shot in, and so they got a real fight, um, a big fight about it. So yeah. Well, it's uh, interesting with Norma because. You know, I think she respects her master gardener, gardener up to a point once he starts, you know, not necessarily doing everything she wants the way she wants it done. That's when things get thornier. Right, right, right. So so I, the, another twist is, is, is Maya, we find out, is a druggie. And I, I was not expecting that. Um, so she got beaten up by her uh, her. I guess boyfriend slash uh, dealer. Dealer, yeah, yeah. She probably. I think. I think it is. Is what it is. Is she gives him free lays and 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 he gives her the drugs or something. Uh, that's part of it, I think. And a time honored tradition. Yes, yes, a time honored tradition indeed. Uh, so yeah, so that was a surprise. And um, the thing that Norma doesn't like is that yeah. Uh, Novel has become uh, very kind to this girl and and says, you know, Norma, maybe you should let her live here. Maybe you should come and visit her. Maybe you should introduce yourself. And and Norma doesn't like 
him saying these things. And uh, so she's upset that Narvel is taking Maya's side rather than Norma's side. And when technically there is no sides, he's just making recommendations, you know, which is the normal thing, which is, you know, you, you, it's your niece, you invited her here, maybe you should have dinner with her. Well, he doesn't uh, make a recommendation when he says she should stay here. He's pretty firm about yeah. that. <laughs> After right, she right. Up. Yeah. Yeah, yes. And, and that makes sense, though, too. And if Norma was not a mean old bastard, she would, would probably have said, yeah, of course, absolutely, you know. Right. Yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll have her move into the, the main house, and, and if she is having these, these problems with drugs, you know, maybe we can, I can get her some help. But, no, she doesn't do any of that. Um, so, uh, where do we want to go from here? What, what do we want to talk about? Um, let's, let's talk about um, Novel and our friend from uh, the Ozark uh, the actor from the Ozark that appears in this film. Uh, basically, uh, what, what's that actor's name, Barrett? Because you mentioned to me. Isai Morales. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So this guy is his uh, contact, right? He's the, he's the, what do you call these people that are contacts when, when you're handler. a handler? Handler, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, so this guy's his handler, and um, he wants to meet up novel with him because uh obviously he's he's got this issue with um this drug d- dealer that's beating up uh someone that he is supposed to be taking care of training and as we we will soon find out has more than that uh has a affinity for that's more than just uh fatherly or or friendly um so uh I, I like these scenes because it shows how even even though his handler respects him and they're, they're kind of um, uh, on good terms, uh, two things about the handler. One is it's still just a job to him. And two, he looks at Novel as someone that he's – just there for as a job, even though he kind of they like each other as people anyway. Well, say what you will about who he is now. Yep. He was still a neo-Nazi murderer. Right. Um, that is that is all that is a lot to ask somebody to get over. Um, right. And the handler knows him before and after as well. Right. 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 So, so not, he met him after. So continue, Mike. Yeah. So I don't know that he feels like necessarily any particular sense of obligation that goes outside the job. I don't get the sense that, you know, if he could, they'd go hang out and go watch ball games together. Or um, even says no to that, right, later on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's this is a guy who is – and it is, a, it is a mindset with people in law enforcement a lot of times is that this person is criminal scum. Uh, and I may have to deal with them as part of my job, but they're criminal scum. And and sometimes that stink just doesn't ever wash off uh, for a lot of the people in that job. Not everybody. I'm not trying to stereotype, but there is a tendency uh, I've found uh, to sometimes view these things in very black and white terms. And then especially when you're dealing with a neo-Nazi, you know, and, you know, not, and not somebody who is like 17 – uh, you know, and did some stupid things. You know, someone who was a 
Bocce for most of his adult life. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't know why he became a neo-Nazi, if he, if he just became one or if it was part of his family or whatnot, but it, it, it's not necessary to the story, so we never really learned that. And, well, we, and knew, I, uh, know, we do know it's been like 10 years, right, because his daughter has grown up to 13. and Yeah, yeah, and I think his wife may have been a neo-Nazi too, and and – and that's another reason why, uh, not just because he's in witness protection, but the reason they didn't come with him in witness protection is because they consider him a traitor to the white race, right? I think that's well, absolutely that's that's because yeah. they know if his if his identity is compromised, they're going to come for him. Yeah, right. Um, and no, look, and I, look, also going back to the theme of people are complicated. I've read essays or or, or editorials by former neo-Nazis, and you read the story, like, how they ended up getting into that situation. It is not excusing what they did necessarily when they were there, but a lot of them do come from very shitty lives um, and have horrible families, and it's how they get dragged into this, because they were dumb and they got exploited. Um, you know, you it's you kind of always hope that some of them will eventually see the light and figure out it's stupid. You know, it's not just outright fucking evil. Um, and some of them do. There is hope for some of them. Um, but it's also a hard thing for people to look at that and, and, and like find forgiveness in their hearts. And I totally get that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point. And, and, uh, it is interesting too, that his handler talks to him with, with glowing words like you do, yeah you absolutely have earned this and absolutely I'll help you out and all that but for, and Narvel looks at it as oh, oh this guy likes me a lot he's my friend but then when as you mentioned Barrett he says hey we should hang out you know after you retire and whatnot and and he goes no Narvel that isn't going to happen and, and so <laughs> so you find out that he's talking good about Narvel because Narvel has put up his end of the bargain, not because he necessarily thinks Narvel's a great guy. Um, so yeah, yeah, I thought that's interesting. Uh, also, a lot, of, a lot of these folks too, Mike. And I liked what you brought up about these folks that land up, you know, bad families or, or, uh, um, you know, they had a tough time or something. But and also, some of them I, w I would even say have behavioral health issues too. Uh, to to you know some of them maybe feel like they're losers or or, or outsiders or outcasts and and this is a group that will take them in and and they become evil in these groups because because of, well uh, I'm a, yeah go on uh, Eric I was just gonna say it's also like like uh, you know definitely neo Nazis and a lot of these other groups are, are really based on on hate right um and and hate while being the strongest negative emotion it's very simple right uh and when when you're a young angry person with a shitty life um it's it's really appealing to just have a group of people to blame for it um so i think that's how a lot of people get stuck into that when they're when they're younger is that they're well, like, that's hey, every everything that's wrong with your life is because of these people uh, and that's a very there's a very simple explanation, and it's really something to cling on to easily. Right, and that's where a lot of it comes from. Right? You you grew up in a 
a shitty family and you know maybe whatever dad doesn't have a job or it's hey why 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 did why not and it's well because of those people all right that's right. their fault right and that's right. why and that and that's like I said that if you read these from these people that's pretty consistent it's they come from a shitty background or shitty life and because they don't have everything they ever wanted they blame it on those people right right yep yep and and again again there's uh uh not, that's not 100% the fact but but yeah, that, that that makes sense. That it would, would be a, a great number of of, of, the, of the folks. I mean, there is anecdotal examples too, and like I said, there's some behavioral health issues, and 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 sometimes they come from good families. Well, yeah, but, you have to have, but, but they're picked on or they mis, misfits or something too. You know, so different things, absolutely. Uh, so all makes sense there. Um, so so the handler. Uh, is planning to retire soon, we learn. And uh, Marvel needs him to get the police to crack down on this this uh, drug dealer that's pissing off everybody. And uh, the handler agrees. And that's another time he says, "Yeah, you earned it. You, you know, you you put up your side of the the bargain on, on this deal here that we have with you. So absolutely, I'll, I'll help you out." Um, so uh, let's move on to uh, some of the other stuff. So, so the, this dealer, and this is where this is the thing that's interesting is even though he his past in the sense that I mean he lost his his family because his wife is obviously a neo Nazi and they want nothing to do with him because he's a traitor. And as a mother, she gets to keep custody and usually, in, at least in the United States, so he doesn't get to see them. And even if he wanted to, he can't because he's in witness protection, and you're not allowed to, to speak to uh, people from your past when you're in witness protection for their safety as well as your own. Um, the, so, but we do and, – and he has dropped out of the, the neo-Nazi stuff, and, and uh, based off of his attitude, we can honestly believe that he is reformed, that he, he is not a bigot anymore. But – he is still prone to violence still. That, but again, that prone to violence, do we want to say that his violence is because of his past and how he was? Or do we want to say his violence is just typical, normal violence that people would have when you see people that suck? Because I think he's violent because it's necessary for the story to happen. Well, that's true. Obviously, obviously that's that's one of the, the big things in, in the film, we have to have this violent act to, to show things. But also, so it is intentional in the story. But do we think that he is being violent because it's built into I, his DNA, or if well, it's just because this guy's a scumbag and he has to say, hey, stop fucking with Maya? Yeah, the the latter, and, and I think he's just, you know, he got really good at it, and so he, he knows how to do it. Yep, um, I totally agree with it, that. It's second nature, right? Yeah, it, you know what it kind of reminded me of? It kind of reminded me of uh, A History of Violence, that that character in that film where he can revert back to using the skills he learned from his prior life to take down a couple of criminals that try to rob his his bar, I mean his uh, diner, and kill people in his diner and rape people in his diner. Um, but it's it's not him. 
anymore. Like John Wick. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah. The only thing I didn't understand about this particular movie is because, uh, like, he goes and he he has the cool speech uh, about the pruning shears. Um, and and like, I don't understand why he didn't just follow didn't follow up on that right on the spot. Um, that caused pruning shears. Yeah, I mean, I was waiting for it, and it didn't happen. I was really disappointed about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, also, I think, like, why did he, like, all he did is antagonize them. Uh, and then when that went bad, then he actually follows up and takes some action. So why didn't he just take the action we get with? Yeah, because that basically he, he showed weakness to them because he didn't actually do anything. Right. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. It's, that's a good, good point there, Eric, because I, I was looking at that, too. It's like I was thinking that they would back down because I thought they were going to think he was a badass because here's this guy. He doesn't even have a gun, but he has pruning shears or, or, or talks about them anyway. And he threatens them. And and these guys are two-bit hoods. They're not like made men type thing. Yeah, they don't even seem like big drug dealers. They're just the blocks drug dealers. Right, 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 yes. <laughs> So, I was thinking that he, meaning Narvel, thought the threat alone would be good enough to get these jerks off off of Meyer and, and whatnot. And instead, like, I think it was you, Barrett, that said maybe they looked at him as weak and, or as you said, Eric, there's two of us. Well, so, and there, there could be a little bit of him expecting people to bow to his will, you know what I mean? Like, because he's so used to being violent, he expects when he shows the the fact that he could be violent and has no hesitation, except, you know, natural hesitation with these two guys, he just doesn't hurt them. Um, but it could be that he just expected them not to do anything. because He's an alpha. Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, because even though he's a different man now, he still has the, or remembers the past where people were intimidated by him, right? Back he's still an alpha. He's an alpha gardener now, right? I mean, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and and he's good at it, and he is very motivated because, he, you know, you can't just become a good gardener easily. He he. he He's he's writing a goddamn book for crying out loud. So he's he's yeah he's a smart guy. He's motivated, smart guy, and he has goals. And so he's yeah I guess you're right. He's an alpha, uh, quiet person, melancholy, but definitely an alpha for sure. Um. So for me, the pruning shears would have been enough. <laughs> I wouldn't have done anything. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to see him use the printing shears, and that's my. Oh, I know. I agree. Me. I agree with you. I wanted to see that too. I was kind of surprised we didn't get to, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, now let's talk about uh, uh, what happened. So Norval, uh, let me rephrase. Norma finds out that he's banging. Nor, uh, May. Well, he's I, not banging her at that point. There is interest. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She likes him, but he turns her away. And not because he doesn't want to bang her or, or date her, but because he doesn't want her to see him naked because he has all the right. Nazi shit. Um, and so she 
she uh, finds out Norma, and she gets pissed, so she throws them out, the two of them out, and she actually fires them, which I was shocked, because I, even though she's the boss and she has the power, I didn't think she was that uh, strong to actually say, you're out of here, because... Right. I mean, she was talking about leaving him the gardens, right? Right. Yeah. Right, right. So well, and it's interesting because I do think that big of a 180 with Tamara Sharker. Yeah, but, and I think it's interesting because I think at this point, hasn't he written in his journal saying that he he knows he's fallen in love with Maya? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think I he writes in his that, journal but, before they leave that he's fallen in love, and he starts he starts talking about love. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and you're probably right. I, I, again, I, I watched the movie two weeks ago. Um, but I, I do think... I'm surprised you haven't watched it 17 times. Yeah, I've been tempted to watch it a few more times, but I, I, I haven't. I've just been way too busy the past two weeks, to be honest, to do anything. Um, I'm only getting a break uh, this week, to be honest. Uh, this is actually the first night that I've actually been able to do... To, to, that I, I had something booked, put it that way. Um, so, but I, I did like how Norma, her pride and ego and narcissism is that strong that she said, "You're fired," because, like you said, it's like a 180, Eric. It's, it's like shocking. It's like holy smokes, I can't believe it. Um, and I don't even know if, if she was legally allowed to do that without telling the police first, uh, because of. She was the one that put him up. I, I don't know. It was just weird, the whole thing. I, uh, I think there's that's a volunteer thing. So, yeah, I mean, she could easily make up some story as to uh, why not, you know, why, why that happened. Yeah, that's true. So, he and Maya are now staying in some motels for a while until they figure out what they're going to do. And when she's asleep, he takes off his shirt and writes in his journal for a while. And then the next morning we find out that she had pretended, or well, didn't pretend, but, but probably was in and out of sleep and saw all his tattoos. And she calls him out saying, obviously, if you didn't want me to know you had the tattoos, you wouldn't have been shirtless while you were writing your journal. And they have a big fight about his past and why does he still have the tattoos and stuff. And, and Obviously, to get all those tattoos, you need money to get get them off, and it's a pain in the ass to get them off. And the thing is, is I think some yeah, of the, she was she was kind of treating it like the trivial, and it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not with that many for <laughs> sure. It would be really long and painful process to remove. Right now, do you guys think part of the reason he left the tattoos on was? Not just because of all that pain in the ass stuff, but also because he didn't want to forget his past, what he did, or the loss of his child because he can't see her and whatnot, and his wife and stuff. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I thought that originally, but I think it's more maybe what you, Barrett, and you, Eric, said, which is he, it, yeah, it's it's. If he doesn't have to get rid of them and spend the money, and no one knows he has them, what's the what's what's the point at this point? Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't had a reason to get rid of them at this point, right? Now oh, he's I had think, her. I think if he wanted to get rid of them, I, I mean, he's saved up a lot of money. He's in a job that uh, I'm Probably going to good. guess 
is probably being paid well. He may not have been paid great to start, right? Because it could have been, uh, you know, just taking advantage of cheap labor because he's he's in Witzak. But you know, Norma seems to really appreciate his services. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he and and he doesn't have a lot of overhead. He lives on the grounds, right? Uh, I imagine yeah, most so he of, can save. Yeah. So he can so he can save his money. So even if he's not, you know, let's say paid, uh, in, uh, well in a conventional sense, most of his costs are paid for, right? He's, he wears his gardener's clothes a lot of the time. He's probably eating the food that's there on the grounds that he probably doesn't have to pay for. He's probably not paying rent. He's not paying heat. And he's not paying, you know, he doesn't, you know, travel a lot. So what, what's his expenses? Um, he doesn't have a podcast, none of that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, I think he's, he's saved up some money. And then when he says, yeah, I'm going to get rid of him, he has no trouble telling uh, Maya later, I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll get rid of the tattoos. It, it's a difficult thing. It's an expensive thing. I personally, I think he's keeping it as a reminder, um, you know, sort of you know, as a as a penance, as a, as a reminder of his past sins. Um, unless it's turning Norma on, that's the other possibility. That could just be, you know, a thing. But um, I, I and then I think that's by saying he'll get rid of it. He's finally coming to terms and willing to put that past behind him. I just don't think he's willing to let go of his of his guilt. And there are a lot of people who are who are like that, that they feel like they have to carry their guilt with them. They need that 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 reminder of their their past sins. And sometimes the the person who's hardest uh, to forgive is yourself. Right. And that's interesting too, because uh, we we were talking about last reform, the Paul Schrader's film from 2017. That film is is kind of like that too, where a person uh, doesn't want to give a Get rid of their guilt, uh, and and that's a theme that you see a lot in, in some of Schrader's films. Um, so they get in a fight, but eventually she forgives them. Even though, I mean, what is she forgiving? You know, it's like I mean, I have the tattoos as my past. What I lost my family. You know, I, I haven't got rid of the tattoos yet. But let me rephrase. She she's not she doesn't forgive him, but she accepts him for what he was before and he's always been good to her and also that she has the hearts for him and you know they may at this point even kind of love each other and she just says that okay but one condition or one guarantee or one transaction whatever you want to call it um you will have to get rid of your tattoos and he agrees and then they do the deed and they're officially a couple at, at this point. Um, now, he calls in every so often to check in on the garden, even though he doesn't work there anymore. And they have his cell phone anyway, um, if they need him. To, you know, the people that he that worked for him that are still there, uh, and he's still very friendly with all of them. Um, he gets a phone call, and we find out the two drug dealers. Uh, destroyed the garden. Um, they did. They did some really bad damage to not only the garden but to his his uh, house, the house where he was living, and still had some of his stuff there that he hadn't uh, retrieved yet to to put into storage or to his new property or whatnot. They put Nazi symbols on his little place. Yeah, I was shocked. I was wondering how that. they knew that. <laughs> well, yeah, did did they do that because they knew, or did they do that because 
they were just being dinks. We, we, we don't really get it. Yeah, we don't. What, what do you, what do you, what do you, me and Barrett obviously don't have any clue, but what about you, Eric, or you, Mike? What, what do you think? Do you think they knew he was an ex-neo-Nazi, or do you think it was just something to do? I, I don't know, but I think it's easy for people to be dinks to just start spraying Nazi symbols. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's an easy fallback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and again, maybe that's I, I don't I they're going after it because of him, so I don't think it has anything to do with Norma. Though again, you could maybe if there was something about her family history, but um, yeah, I think it's I, I think it might just be a coincidence. I do wonder if there was like anything deleted, um, like would she have told her boyfriend or something? You know, leave you know my my new boyfriend's an ex Nazi. He'll shoot you. I, I don't know. Uh, that would be a really weird threat to hold over somebody, though. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. It's like you said, Eric. It's, it's a easy fallback to just, you know, to scare people. SWAT sticker works, um, but it, but it also is kind of interesting that that was the symbol because again, that is a slap right into his face, whether they knew it or not, right? Because you know, it reminds him of of his prior evilness and right. sins and whatnot. And, and now he knows what it's like to be on the other end. Yep. That's true. Oh, excellent point, Eric. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, of course, Norm is all freaked out and, and worried because, I mean, you know, that, that's, it's just a terrible thing. Whether whether we like whether Norm is a despicable character or not, um, it's just a horrible thing to have your property destroyed, whether you're as wealthy as her or, or if you're just, you know, a regular folk. Um so he comes back, and this is when we get the Luger, because uh, she has the Luger out now, swinging it around. You know, I have to have it all the time now because we, we may come back. They may come back, and so he takes the Luger away, and uh, says, "Yeah, you know, you, you got to stop." Um, and so he decides to contact his handler again to say, "Hey, you know, these guys are just now not only attacked Meyer, but now they've attacked Norma, and Norma's a pretty uh, big." member of the community and he uh, his says alright we'll meet again at the same diner you know he got hamburgers and we can talk and see what I can do for you and this this was a big surprise um, now I gotta say it was unexpected so he goes there and the handler's not there and there's someone else there instead and he's like surprised and the handler what happens is he since he's retiring in two months He's already given off all his cases to other people, and this is the new handler. And the new handler seems like a nice guy and whatever, still learning the the, the ropes, you know, what's what's not. Uh, seems like he's willing to help and stuff, but it's someone that hasn't gained the trust yet of Narvel. Um, what did you guys think of this scene and how his old handler just dumped him without even – letting him know the night before when he called and says, yeah, I'll meet you. Do you think it was was just because he's I a dink? You no, know it's the way it works. But but he could have said, he could have said the night before that, yeah, um, I'm, I've turned your case over to this other guy, um, so this guy will help you or whatnot. Or maybe he just didn't want to have an argument on the phone with the guy. Uh, no, yeah, like, they're not friends. Yeah. That's the thing. They're not friends, well, even if Norval thinks they have that connect, stronger connection. Right, and and maybe that was just his way of making it very clear. Just like, yeah, hey, yeah I'm, exactly. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not your guy anymore. 
So just I'm retired. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. What, what about you, Mike? What do you, what do you think of that? Um, surprise. I, I have a feeling that's how it goes. I don't think they want personal attachments. Nope. Um, and that goes both for the organization, and it also goes for the per- the person doing it. Um. And I think that it I wouldn't shock me if he then went and said, hey, look, uh, I'm not comfortable with where this guy is. And he's trying to, to like, you know, thinking that we're, we're friends and I want out. I wouldn't that wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and uh, I got I got to be impressed with 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 Harville because he doesn't flip out. He's a, and he's kind to this new guy. And he says, no, Give him a okay. chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's kind to him and whatnot. But he also is a smart guy, Narvel. And he also understands the situation. So it's like you said, Mike, and you, Barrett, and Eric, that this is just how it's done. We're not friends. Hint, hint. Here it is. And Narvel just accepts it without freaking out or getting upset. Or even or being mean, and I, and I kind of like that. It makes his character. Not, I mean, obviously he's real, in quote unquote for for the film he's real, but it makes him the character I expected him to be, not what the stereotypical plot would have done, where they have him be this angry jerk that the past would come back and whatever. So so I, I liked it. I, I thought I thought it was good. I thought I thought. His character acted the way he should have acted. Yeah, he's, he's resigned to it immediately once he figures out what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and and I did like the fact they made the new handler not a bumbling fool, like I've seen in other films where they they've shown you know like you you I forget what film I think it was uh, Take Shelter where uh, that film where they have his character he goes to a psychiatrist uh, with the VA or something he shows up. One day, and it's a different psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist, the new psychiatrist, doesn't know anything about his case. It's asked the exact same question that he was asked before, and it's like, okay. And so I like to hear that this guy wasn't a, a complete imbecile, and and they they had this new handler actually legit and not a jerk or not abnormal or not a buffoon. So I like that too. Um. So at this point. Now that Meyer and Norma have this problem with these drug dealers and he doesn't have his handler anymore and he doesn't want to set this new handler up uh, to do anything, he now decides that he has to take this into his own hands to get rid of the problem of these drug dealers and what they have done. Um, now, Mike, this is this is where a regular Paul Schrader film comes into play. Would you agree? Yeah, this is where somebody's ball should be getting cut off. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it doesn't go that far, but but it goes to a point where um, Narvel has to do something. Um, so what, what do you guys think about this this scene here? This scene here, I think everybody probably thought was pretty awesome because this, this is – wasn't a drama. This was this was the thriller part of the of the movie. Uh, what what did you guys think of it? The the showdown. I liked the final solution, and I kind of figured uh, I kind of figured that um, 
she wasn't going to have the the want to kill them. Um, so I think it turned out well. I liked how it worked out. I wanted her to kill them. I might have wanted her to, but I think that their relationship was just starting out, and that would have been a very bad way for their relationship to start out. I, I think it would have been a new bonding experience. <laughs> so now they both know what it's like to kill a man. Uh, before we explain what, that whole scene, uh, Mike, what, what about your thoughts on, on it? Uh, I, I was hoping to see some pruning shears. Right, right. Yeah, but and, and me, see, this is this is the thing. Is I was kind of waiting for this, and you know, this is entirely my fault. We were reviewing this for Dark Discussions podcast, mm-hmm. and I know we all went into this kind of blind, um, other than the fact that it was a Paul Schrader film, and we were we were kind of busting your chops over the fact that's a movie about a gardener, um, but we tend to review a certain type of movie. And so um, we're sitting there for an hour and a half, for an hour and 45 minutes, uh, talking about gardening and, uh, you know, all this very, very contemplative film about guilt. And I was waiting for, like, that last 15 to 30 minutes of fucked up shit, you know? (laughs) Instead, it turned into a love story. Where does it go off the rails? And and I'm like watching it, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, fuck, they hit the brake. Damn it. <laughs> so now nobody promised me that it was going to go off the rails, right? That 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 was me bringing that to it. Um, and I and, and I was kind of expecting it. I think I would have enjoyed it more if they had. I still, you know, wouldn't have um loved the first part of it as much as I appreciated it um, but at least I would have said yeah ball's cut off or whatever um, maybe finger a green thumb maybe you know I would have been out of where to work um, but, uh, but I also understand why they didn't want to go there because thematically the guy is supposed to have moved on if he's you know if he's mutilating or murdering people um, you know has he really put the, his old life behind him I think you can make the same argument as he put his old life behind him if um, if he's threatened to murder and mutilate people too. But I think threatening to do it and, and actually doing it are, are two different things. Yeah, I, I would concur with that. Um, obviously, I don't I don't know if I, I – I mean, if someone did something to one of my loved ones – I, I, you know, you know, what, what would you do? Would you go to him and say, "I'm gonna fucking kill you" or whatever? I, I don't know. So I could see the passion, but would he follow through? I don't know. And if he's a reformed person, as he may be, and there's that word "reformed" again from his uh, the 2017 film "First Reformed." Um, no, no coincidence that these themes are, are kind of similar in a way. Um, the, if he is truly reformed, yeah, he, would he go all the way? And we find out that he may go all, all the way if the person he loved wished it to be. And 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 if not, then, yeah, he wouldn't go all the way. Um, but he is still enough of a badass that he's going to make sure that these guys don't ever do it again, even if he isn't going to go all the way. Now, now Barrett, Barrett, let's explain this whole last scene here 
um, this big scene here. Go go ahead and, and, and start it off. So the two of them, the, yeah, go on. The, the scene where they accost these guys. Yeah, yeah. So 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 go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, so he knows that he needs to intimidate these guys or kill them, keep them from messing with her and the um, garden again. Um, and he's pissed because they they fucked his garden over. They tore everything up. Um, I mean, that garden was really destroyed. So, so yeah, he's really mad, and I'm sure he's already got an angry side. So he, he takes her bit. there. Yeah, he takes her there with the intent of, you know, I'm not sure if his intent is to kill them or just scare them, but he does give her the gun and gives her the opportunity to kill them because um, they have been messing with her, too. And... You know, I think he would have rolled with it if she did kill them. Um, but her decision ultimately was to not. Um, and I think that is her character. I mean, she was definitely in character there and doing what I would expect her character to do. And so then he just left them a lasting message of uh, breaking their knees with a hammer. Yeah, that's exactly. pretty much it. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah, and and this is when we find out that these guys are just nobodies, um, because yeah, because when he goes there, it's just a house that they probably rent or or maybe bought with drug money, and they just hang out there playing video games with all their uh, druggy friends or buyers, and he just walks in and he pulls out has the Luger and he and he tells everybody to get the fuck out except these two guys, and and. Yeah, and then, and then Amaya comes in, and, and what what happened is what you, what you said. Um, and yeah, he now they know for real that he's he's for real, and that that he's ruthless because he not only gives her the gun and says kill him if you want, and she chickens out or says she doesn't want to. So just for him to ask her to kill them if she wants. Is enough probably to scare the fuck out of him, and then oh, yeah. <laughs> and then for him to take the the, the uh, whatever weapon it was, I forget what it was, to to break their kneecaps and tell them. I think that, it was just I'm, a ball peen hammer. Yeah, yeah, it looked like a ball peen hammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. And he he said he says yeah, I'm, I'm, and he tells him that I'm doing it to you too. It's not like he just does it. Uh, and. And they beg, you know, whatever. And, and so he does it, and he lets them go, and they leave. And if these were real gangsters, he would probably have to worry about stuff. But since they're they're just local losers, um, he's pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure, and I think we're all pretty sure that they're not going to bother Norma or Maya ever again. Now, the question is, will Maya – stay off drugs and not go to them. I don't know, but that's... Uh, I, I want to see Master Gardener Part 2 pruning season. Well, right, and that's 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 exactly, that's these are the, the parts of the story that <laughs> happen, happen, happen after the movie ends. Uh, <laughs> that is a great title, and you should send it to him. <laughs> and Mike would be the number one person to support it. Let's do it. I want to see the pruning. Uh, so, uh, I guess we we can talk about the ending now because this is pretty much where we got the. Wait, I want to bring up one scene yeah. that we have oh, not talked ooh, about. Ooh, they can release it on December thirty first, and it'll be this New Year's. The balls will drop. 
Oh, my God. Um, now, uh, one scene that so, we did not talk about was the weird scene where they're driving down the road and all everything flowers in the dark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that what was the a, fuck was that about? That was another one of his dreams. You remember, he did this, Paul Schrader did this in... Was uh, it a dream? I'm not sure. It was like they were both experiencing it at the same uh, time. Well, you know, it, it was, you know what it reminded me of, Eric, like, first reform. You remember the love scene in that? No, where, I remember nothing about that movie. Stop bringing it up. All right, well, well, there's, <laughs> there's a weird scene in that, too, where Ethan Hawke and Amanda Siegfried uh, have sex, and then the whole room turns into um, the Milky Way. And I don't I, I don't know if you remember that scene. And it was kind of... Nope. Right, right, right. right. But, well, it kind of... I think it was... In both movies, it's there. But it's supposed to mean it's not what they're really seeing. It's what they're feeling, I think. Right, yeah. That is a good explanation. Yeah, it, it, it's purely symbolic, I feel. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's happiness. So, it's love. It's togetherness. It's best friends. It's it's bullshit. It's the good in life. <laughs> it's our yes. party stuff. There, there's no yeah. question about that. It's the connection of the two people. So it's Paul and the connection to, say, to the beauty as well. Fucking fantasies about shit that doesn't actually exist. Right, right. I, I think this is this is Paul Schrader's way of showing a feeling rather than um, having them do exposition to talk about it. Um, so that's that's what I get. Yeah. So it is an interesting scene. It sure is. It looks cool. It's visually really dynamic. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's all it is, is symbolism, um, which, yeah. uh, you know, some people will will cite the uh, fertilizer, as Eric did, and other people will go, ooh, symbolism. Yeah. And, and that's kind of funny, too, is that Schrader, he's done a lot of independent films after uh, he's basically pissed off Hollywood a lot. Um, he's been a... CGI guy for a while and um, all the way back to autofocus uh, I, I listened to the commentary on that film and certain scenes that look real like outside the hotel he has a, a scene of, of these people in the hotel you know the hotel with the, the neon lights and a car driving by and he says in the commentary he goes that whole scene is CGI every single piece of it um, and, and but it looks real, and and here obviously you know it's fake because it's 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 flowers and they're just blooming. But he, he's he's a big user of CGI in in little doses, and and this scene is is, is another example of that. Um, which, All right, so I'm yeah, go ahead, Mike. I'm going to apologize to Eric, even though I don't really mean it, um, for asking <laughs> this question. How how did how did he piss off Hollywood? Oh, you're asking, well. You're probably asking me then. Um, I'm asking yeah, you, but he's, asking, he's apologizing to me for asking you because oh, some of this shit. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's actually fairly short. Um, it's basically um, he takes wants he doesn't want producers to put their hands in the pie, and so when he did some of his films earlier that were major Hollywood films. He basically kept on telling the producers to go fuck off. And he goes, "No, I'm spending the money the way I want to do it." And so he's, so he's like, "I'm going to pay the writer, damn it." Yeah, yeah, well, sure, sure. So, so yeah, so as a result, 
Hollywood stopped giving him projects because their friend, you know, said, "Oh, when we had him do the film, he wouldn't let us put our hands in." in, in yeah, the, they're, 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 their reputations follow you. Yeah, yeah, but, but right. I, I can do it. Yeah, and, and, and hey, hey, good for him, right? Because I mean, he could be just one of them bozos that plays the game and does what you know lets people take their films and destroy it. You know, so well, here's the thing: he could get away with that if you know he was like Christopher Nolan, uh, and he you know and, and made a movie that made a billion dollars. Um, yeah, or, or, and but his movies are artsy films. A lot of times, they are they're they're critics' films. And those are great for getting you, uh, uh, like, statues. Noted. In, yeah. And to get exactly. noted in the studio, but it, it doesn't put money in their pockets. Right. And and in the end, it's the money in their pockets that matters. Right. Oh, also, that Exorcist 3 film, too, that that, that was part of the thing. He goes, no, I'm doing it my way. And that, that pissed some people off, too. Um, but, yeah, that's absolutely right, Mike. Um, and, you know, if... You know, he could have done, you know, like like the guy that did In the Bedroom, right? You remember he he did it outside of Hollywood. They Weinstein bought it and almost changed it. And Cruz said uh, to Tom Cruise, his buddy told him to just let Weinstein do it. He'll play it to an audience and they'll say, oh, this is terrible. And he'll just go back to your film. And, and that's what they did. But um, you also some people will do the Hollywood thing and then they go off and make their own little film like John Cassavetes used to do. So, uh, but Schrader just, yeah, he just wants full control with the money to make the film he wants. And right. well, also, look, you, anyone who has a job knows you have to play a game and, yeah. and you can say all you want about Hollywood and, and these people being artists, but it's yeah. a job and yeah. there's, you have bosses and if yep. you don't want to do what the bosses tell you to do, you're going to be out of a job. Yep. You, know? you can call and, it out all you want, but it's still a job. And there's yeah, there, there's always politics involved in any job. We all know that. And now you have now if you suck up to the boss, sometimes you can get those personal projects greenlit, right? You yep. can get to put an extra plant in your cubicle or whatever it may be. Um, or you may be able to make those movies you really want to, and they'll be willing to swallow the money because you just made them a billion dollars on a Batman film. Yep. But you know, not not everybody can do that. And 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 hey, look, some people can play that game. Some people will not. Indeed. Um, all right, so to not bore Eric anymore. Um, let's get into the fi- the final uh, scenes, right? Uh, so, uh, Barry, what what happens here? What what goes on after they get rid of the problem with the the uh, the druggies? So they. They go back to the garden area, and he confronts Norma, um, and she pulls a gun on him, (laughs) and eventually she throws it down without killing him, Um, and then he tells her that there were no bullets in the gun, and he, right, and it didn't work, and he tells her that he and Maya are going to get married and live in his place and take over the garden when she's gone. And it ends with them, him approaching the little cabin where Maya is painting the walls, and they start dancing together. Ends on yeah. a love Boo. story note. Ends on a love yes. story note. Yeah, so the movie ends on a positive, um, and Norma is pissed, but she, so has, she, she, sucks, she sucks it up because 
you know, this guy is is a brilliant gardener, and she does want the the thing to stay in the family. And even though he's she's pissed that she can't bang him anymore, and she lost power over him and Maya, for that matter. Um, and so she has to suck it up. So she's still a mean old grumpy woman. She could, she could still bang him. I mean, yeah, people I, have those kind of relationships. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But I doubt that's going to happen. Um, I'm thinking that he just banged her because he, he felt it was, he was obligated to or something. I don't know. Um, but now he was bored. He was bored, and who else was going to fuck a guy with Nazi tattoos? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I'm just but, saying. Look, they, they, they're advertising now, like, these tattoos that'll last for, like, three years and fade away. Just to see suggestion, if you're going to get the neo-Nazi tattoos, start with one of those before you commit. Because it's really... Is that a real yeah. thing, Mike? Yeah, it's a real thing. Oh, that's interesting. That's what kind of weird. Um, so, anyway, um, yeah, make sure you, you, you don't tattoo your, your girlfriend or boyfriend's name on you. Because if you do... Uh, unless it's the the ones that fade away, um, just in case. Yeah, you don't want to well, have. Well, a... yeah, you know, it seems getting a tram stamp may seem like a good idea when you're 20, but when you're <laughs> a 40 year old mother of three, it's just you it's know, kind of, uh, it's kind of hard. It's not a good idea. Old. It's kind of hard on the 40 year old mother too. But I see your point, Mike. Um, so, uh, but again, that's a matter of opinion. It's, it may be a fine idea. It doesn't matter. Uh, do as you please. So anyway, um, it ends in a happy ending, which was different for a Paul Schrader film. And um, Norma's still a grumpy old happy. Yeah, happy ending's pissing off. Yeah, yeah. But it, I actually liked it because I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it, and also it does make sense in this in this storyline. Um, and I also liked how Norma still was a dink because they could have made her say, yeah, you're right. Okay. I'm glad you're back on this, but she doesn't, she's still the crumpy old SOP. She doesn't have one of those turnings. So I felt we, I felt, we forgot to mention that, it, that she's dying. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, did I forget? Yeah. That's, do we mention she's dying? Oh, that really <laughs> changes the story. My bad. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I don't right. Think it does change the story, but it's a detail we didn't cover. I just thought I'd throw it out there. Sure, sure. Well, it kind of explains why she's finally willing to take in this uh, this wayward uh, niece. Uh, niece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I, I think again when the film ends. I think later, if the film continued to a part two, the pruning. I think. <laughs> uh, um, her character will would mellow out to both Meyer and Narvel again, um, because it doesn't seem like she's she's stupid, even if she is a narcissist and pissed. Um, and and I would have been fine with the. I'm perfectly fine with a happy ending. I just would have been a happy ending, you know, with them dancing on bodies. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, right, right, right. I mean, that, that that was the surprise too. Is that there wasn't the, the deaths at the end uh, of the the drug dealers. So that that's a fair point too. That was a little different. You know, they would have made good fertilizer. The same. Yeah, they they were they were trash people, no doubt, no doubt. Really bad people. So 
put it this way, I, I would not be cr- crying if if they had died in this film. <laughs> you know, uh, in real life, I, 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 would, I would would be oh, you know, rest in peace to the and and you know the family members that will miss them. But in a movie, yeah, those, those bastards, I had no problem with if she pulled the trigger and blew their brains out. Um, actually, though, you know what's funny. What was that? That gun, his yeah, that was his gun. Yeah, that's right. Because he still had a gun in in the floorboards. It wasn't the Luger. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and I think he gave her that gun, the the gun that would work, not the the old Luger that was malfunctioning. Right. Correct. He did. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, anything else on anybody's list that that we missed that we wanted to bring up? Anything? Barrett, you got anything? Eric, Mike? I do not. All right. So I think that may be it for the film. Uh, We have been recording for about an hour and 51 minutes. So um, we may have a little bit to uh, talk about what we've been watching. Uh, So let's do that uh, before we get into our final review. Uh, So, Eric, uh, anything that you want to note? Uh, I know you're playing Diablo for. No, season one. Uh, if you want to talk a little <laughs> bit about that. Um, well, I next? mean, I got I, I created a druid for season one and got it up to level seventy before I left town. Um, That's pretty good. Wheel. It might be a while before I revisit Diablo because as soon as I get back into town, uh, Madden Twenty Four launches, so I'll probably be distracted by that for a while. Well, what launches? Madden Twenty Four. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. How about that? All right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, anything else that you wanted to bring up uh, for folks? I went to the theater and saw Talk to Me. All right, um, Australian film from 8 to 24. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's You're right, this is an Australian film, and they're driving on the wrong side of the road in the movie, but uh, nobody really has an Australian accent in the movie. It's weird. Um, but uh, I... Uh, I have really mixed feelings about the movie because I was I was really 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 enjoying the movie up until the credits rolled, uh, and I, I was really shocked when the credits came out because I felt like there there should should have been another act. Um, I, I didn't feel like it was done yet, so <laughs> I mean what was there I really liked, but I, I felt it was incomplete. Oh, the sequel. So take, take 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 that as you will. All right, that's all I got. All right, sounds good. Uh, Mike, what about you? I know you said you there, you saw some film called Cobwebs at the theaters. Uh, maybe you want to bring that yeah, up? Yeah, which is, um, like I said, it's a film that very much reminded me of a, a popular film from last year that I don't want to, I don't want to spoil. But it's a film that feels like one movie for the first hour, and then a completely different movie for the last half hour. Um, and I won't spoil it. I really liked it. Pam did not like it. Um, take take that for what you will. Um, I also saw Oppenheimer, which uh, I thought was was really good. I don't know if I would go great. Um, and I've seen people complaining about what the movie should have done, but it's a biopic, and it's about Oppenheimer. It's not about the Trinity test. It's not about Hiroshima. It's not about Nagasaki. It's not about the global implications of nuclear war. It's about a man's life, and that, that's the story of the man's life. And they didn't rearrange the events in order to make it narratively satisfying the way they did in Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, but I would definitely recommend that. I had I saw, Pam and I actually saw Barbie the other day. I had fun with that. I saw the new Ninja Turtles movie. I enjoyed that a lot, surprisingly uh, a lot. 
Um, uh, yeah, so I've been I've seen quite a few things lately. So I've been going to the movies quite a bit. Very good. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I saw Elemental or Elementals, the, the Disney film or Pixar, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I was expecting it to be awful, but it was really good. It was a great film. Um, I, I I know it was a bomb, like a lot of Disney films are recently, but it's it, it's a great film. It's up there with most Pixar films that have been the, the top tier of the Pixar films, I feel. And uh, uh, it'll it should get awards at the end of the season, I, I think. Even if because I don't think it'll be forgotten by the critics. Even if the um, I don't the think the critics office. were that kind to it. I've heard a good audience reaction. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think the critics only gave it uh, around in the 60s, maybe. But but it's really good. It's a, it's a great film. I, I'm I can't see how the critics didn't like this film. Uh, so big thumbs up there. Um, I did go to the theaters to for Taylor Swift trivia night. Uh, I came in fifth or sixth with my everybody my drink, yeah, because it was a uh, it was it was packed and and everybody's a Swifty, so I, I did pretty good out of like fifty teams. I came still came in sixth, so that was pretty good. Um, no prize though, and then or fifth maybe it was fifth, but it was fifth or sixth. And then um, I'm going to see Barbie this weekend with the kids, um, so we'll, we'll see that. And um, I swore I, I thought oh 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 I saw a Sound of Freedom. I saw that film uh, with my buddy on Sunday night, and that's a really good film, too. Uh, high recommend. Uh, very sad topic, obviously, because um, uh, it's about uh, child uh, trafficking uh, and, and child slavery and stuff. Um, How would you compare that to uh, Megan is Missing? Um, this one – it's it, – it's, it's, it's the same moving. topic. It's the same kind of idea yeah. that's trying to draw attention to it. Yeah, I'm just curious which was more successful at doing the job. Yeah, yeah, uh, they're, they're very different because uh, Megan's Missing is 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 a true horror film and also uh, found footage, um, and it's older children and older you know teenagers that 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 are fall victim to it. Well, this one here is is eight, nine, ten year olds and stuff, so it's it's much different. Um, but both are, are effective in 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 its their sadness. So we put it that way. Um, so hopefully that answers your your question, Mike. Uh, but I recommend, and since you have that free pass thing with AMC, you should check that out if it's still at, at theaters, Mike, because you you would like it too. Um, so it's a great film. Um, so yeah, that's that's all I got. Uh, what about you, Barrett? Um, so let's see. I saw Talk to Me, like Eric. Um, I think it's a little overhyped in some of the things I've read online. I liked it. Um, I didn't hate the end as much as Eric, I don't think, but I do agree that it felt like um, something was missing at the end. So, yeah, I liked it, but, you know, there you go. Um, and then, let's see, as far as television, I saw the end of Secret Invasion, and I thought it was a really bad um, last <laughs> episode. Um, it felt cut weird. I went into the episode going, why did, how did we start here in this episode? It, it was just, I don't know. I was very disappointed in how it ended. I expected a lot more, and it seemed like it was rushed. Um, and then we've been, we started watching The Witcher, the season three, which I'm enjoying. Um, I've heard a lot of bad reviews about it, but so far there's been some really good fights and some great monsters. Is this the first um, season with the new actor? No, no it's, it's the last, last season with Henry Cavill. 
Oh, I think that might also be coloring people's opinions. Yeah, that that could be as well. Um, And then we've been watching uh, The Lincoln Lawyer, which I liked the first season. I'm actually enjoying the second season even more. So that's pretty much it. Right, right. And that's based off the the, the book the, the movie was based off of, too, I think, right? Yep, Michael okay. Connelly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Who stars in, in the, as the Lincoln Lawyer in the TV show? You know, I don't know his name. Um, yeah, so it's not a, like a, a big name, no, no worries. I recognize him, but I don't know his name. Let's put it that way. <laughs> sure, sure. All right, sounds good. Uh, all right, so uh, before we get into our final reviews, uh, Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan. I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Escanci Podcast. That's called A-S-K-A-N-C-I. Yeah, I can spell. A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. Find it wherever you get podcasts. All right, sounds good. And uh, Barrett, myself, you, Mike, and a bunch of other folks are going to be doing a, a podcast coming up uh, about some superhero stuff. What's that podcast? All Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, and we will be reviewing uh, the suit, the Suicide Squad soon, um, and we will then be doing Peacemaker, which is based off the character from the Suicide Squad. All right, sounds good. Um, all right, and uh, I think it's Emmanuel Garcia Rofa. Yeah, he uh, was in Magnificent Seven. Now that I, yeah, I was trying to think That's of what he was in that I remember. Right, right, yeah. I'm trying to see how I know him, but yeah, he's doing yeah, a great job in the Lincoln Lawyer, I think. Right, right. That's cool. Um, uh, now, uh, Mike, uh, me, you, and Eric do another side podcast. Uh, what's that all about? Uh, that is the um, the Drawing Blank podcast, the Cinema Alpha. <laughs> Sorry, where we discuss non uh, dark discussiony uh, films, uh, like Master Gardener. <laughs> uh, it's, well, when you're going in blind, it's 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 a whole other matter. We weren't we we, were, we suspected, but it had the potential. It could, it could totally have gone in a very dark place. I think we can agree on that. It just just didn't. Um, but we have watched films so like Inside Out, um, uh, Forbidden Planet, um, Starlet, um, and In the Bedroom, which you had mentioned previously. So, uh, and we take turns picking. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I don't know what the last episode was that was released. Uh, it was, uh, just released the other day and it was Michael Clayton, Michael Clayton. Okay. So, um, so there's that and, um, I'm up next. Uh, and I, I finally have picked my Tom Cruise entry to go with, uh, Collateral and Reacher. Um, and it's uh, it's an early one, so uh, which I was surprised to see uh, neither of you had seen before. I, I figured you had. I thought it was the law. You grew up in the eighties. Yeah, it should be fun. It's amazing that neither of you have seen that film. Yeah, yeah. So uh, considering I'll, 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 your age range. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm I'm honestly surprised I I haven't gotten around to it myself. But you know, we all we all have blood spots. Oh yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. Well, in, in my age range, uh, I wasn't allowed to necessarily watch R-rated films at the time. And, I wasn't either, then, but it was one of those big '80s films that everyone. It was huge. Watched. But one of the reasons I haven't seen it is because I was one of the very few homes that did not have cable when I was growing up. I was with you on that. Same here. I, I probably would have been able to see it if I had. Right, right, and, and I wouldn't have had the guts to rent it at 
blockbuster because it was an R-rated film, and especially if there's nudity in it. So uh, we're talking about risky business, by the way, for folks who are saying what the hell we're talking. <laughs> um, but um, so, and then as I got older, it's like you said, Eric. I, yeah, you just you know, every you see what the fuck. By. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so it'll be exciting. Somehow to that see one it. never got viewed. <laughs> it will, yeah, it'll be exciting to see. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, so it'll be cool. Cool. All right. So uh, I guess we can get into our final thoughts on this film here. But once again, uh, August 11th, uh, Mystic. Uh, if you folks want to join us, send us an email, Mystic, in the subject, or contact us on our Dark Discussions podcast Facebook book Facebook group, and uh, we will. Uh, uh, give you the details there as well. Uh, you still have a, another seven days, eight days or so uh, to coordinate with us and meet us up at Mystic Pizza and uh, see the movie too uh, the next day. Um, all right, so uh, let's go and discuss our final thoughts in this film here. So, uh, Mike, why don't you start? Yeah, you know, um, some people just don't like lobster, and it could be the best lobster in the world. If you don't like it, you don't like it. This is this is decent lobster. I'm just not as fan of seafood. So um, if this if you like a good drama, if you like a nice romance uh, between uh, a, a, a young black woman and an old neo Nazi, then this 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 could be for you. <laughs> oh, Let's make sure Mike doesn't write wikis. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. He's not stop. wrong. He's totally accurate, but but yeah, hey, where, but. where there's no but. where there's no relationship in this film where like the age doesn't make age difference doesn't make you cringe a little. Uh. <laughs> well, it, the, the Sigourney Weaver one does because he's kind of like doing it as a power trip rather than you know. But but the other one I, I found both to be equally creepy. <laughs> Yeah, sure. You're just seeing it from the guy's point of view, and you'd much rather have the the, the liaison with the younger uh, woman than the older woman. Not necessarily, dude. If 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 uh, if it was, uh, you know, some let's see, okay, uh, we're, we're fighting over over he, I mean, who I, he would fuck in the movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Anyway, all right, let's move on. Go here, I would totally hook up with the Gordy Weaver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I sure. think. He's I don't think anyone. No, in fairness, I would. I got. I got to confess, I would probably go put Jamie Lee Curtis first, but I, but Sigourney Weaver would be on my list. I would. I would definitely. Yeah. Who, who's the <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis? Uh, yeah, for I me, the my, older woman, Jane Fonda. Nah, she's too old now. Who else? Uh, I got no. Yeah, yeah. Morgan Fiesta. Nah, she's too old. Okay, now. this is getting gross. Anyway, all right. Anyway, yeah. Let's let's, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, so uh, for me, uh, yeah, this film is the best film of the year so far for me and probably one of the best films I've seen in the past decade. Uh, I recommend. Uh, I love. But he it. always says that because he hasn't seen Barbie yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I may like that. I like Margot Robbie. Uh, but th this film here is a film film. Uh, this is like made for me. This is the type of film I used to like in the bedroom, Michael Clayton, Master Gardner, you, you know, you go on and on and on. This is my film. So this, this is my film. Awesome film. Love the film. Uh, let's go with you, Eric. This is not my film. Didn't love the film. Uh, I can admire the craft behind it. I thought it was acted well. I'm just not the target audience for this movie. Uh, so if other people enjoy it, I'm happy for you. I'm never going to watch it again. All right, sounds good. And Barrett? Yeah, I like this film a lot. I thought it was really well done, and I like the themes, and I thought it was well shot, well acted. It's worth seeing. 
All right, sounds good. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if it will be forgotten uh, at award seasons. Uh, it probably will be, but you never know. Uh, Edgerton was, was fantastic in the film. Sigourney Weaver had a pretty solid uh, supporting role, and uh, um, the screenwriting was, was, was fabulous. I felt directing was fabulous. A lot, lot, lot of good Mike, stuff. Mike, Mike, add one to the Phil erection count. I'm curious, has Sigourney Weaver ever won an Oscar? Because this could be like... She's their... been nominated a couple of times, but she's not won. Right. But she's, I know she was nominated, I think, for Aliens. I think she was nominated for... Um, was she nominated for Working Girl? Uh, she um, was nominated for Gorillas in the Mist. Gorillas in the Mist, right. That's another yeah. one. Yeah, um, yeah maybe I'm Working just, Girl. I'm just curious like, if this will be there. You know, maybe we should get around to finally, you know... Giving her and Paul Schrader... Oscars because they both have been screwed for a while. Well, not screwed, but have done paid their dues and have not won. So but but they're right. going to have to they're they're going to have to compete with both Cocaine Bear and Barbie. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, anyway, um, let's go with you, uh, Barrett. I mean, how did we do, Barrett? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have not. Yeah. So it's Barrett. Oh, you did. I went. You did. I went. Okay, good. Yeah, that's right. You yeah, did. you just started over again because you can't shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's 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 like you said, uh, you know, the Greys, uh, Taylor Swift, Paul Schrader, you know, certain things that get me excited. You know how it is. Anyway, um, so this film here is called Master Gardener. It came out uh, earlier this year, May. Uh, the film uh, is getting fairly good reviews. Um, it is directed and written by Paul Schrader, starring Joel Edgerton as well as Sigourney Weaver and Quintessa Swindell. Uh, the film is readily available wherever VOD is found. And if you uh, think this film is for you, uh, check it out. And with all that stated, Eric, why don't you lead us out? All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us talk about Master Gardener. Come back next week. We'll have another topic.